sidekicks and hench folk out there in the geek nation you're listening to slash watching the spoiler alert podcast which is a weekly comic book discussion show we are streaming live on youtube as well as the facebook page for cult pop podcasts if you have something to say please by all means share it with us i'm your host johnny destructo with me this week is oh hi my name is noel i'm here also and then also Yo, what's up, Holly? Your boy. This is Len, aka the Bat Triple. And this oh, dude, Len. I'm Brian, and I'm here. Hi, Brian. Hi. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, JD. Yeah. Uh, so I'm well, bringing up the letters. We got letters. Letters. Oh, we got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of letters. So uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but what I've started doing is because that song is so bad here and, and Noel specifically tries to make it as bad as possible. I actually have started uh, copying and pasting the old versions of those when we were all in the same room. Uh, so we can just sit here in silence now or just sort of mouth it. Two things. For the, yeah. <laughs> the first thing being now it's 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 out there that I haven't listened to the show. <laughs> and the second thing is for shame how dare you yep. <laughs> oh melissa g is here hey, hi hey, i'm melissa hey. and i'm here too afternoon gents afternoon. hey melissa thanks melody g for tuning in uh so i have brought up the emails uh this one is from christopher saint saucy good night good night hey. And he, you know, he sent. I don't, I don't know what's happening, Len. Usually, if people send us an email, we assume it's for gutter talk if it's addressed to both of us, to both, right. you know, Colts Pop and Black Tribbles. Um, right. But I mean, this is spoiler alert question. So my theory is, is that I'm so bad at maintaining the email list of like uh, what I should read on air is that he sends it to you as a backup now, uh, just in case <laughs> I miss the email. You will go, hey JD, where's Chris Ainsley? Good night, email. <laughs> so he's, he, he's playing the field. That's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Covering the bases. At what point do you stop supporting new series? Hey all, just found out Skybound canceled Outer Darkness, a brilliant series, and it's just gone with no ending. Hmm. It's heartbreaking. Chew is one of the more brilliant series, better than a lot of series that get fawned over, and has made me a fan of Layman for life. And to come up with something as brilliant as Outer Darkness, only to have it taken away? He can't shop it anywhere else. Mm. So my question is, at what point do you just stop caring slash supporting? I have the same problem with TV shows getting canceled. It is so disheartening. Chris, say saucy, good night. So basically, the comic book industry is playing with his heart. Mm. Go ahead, no. uh, why can't he shop it anywhere else? It's a, it's an image book, so it's creator owned. That's what I thought. He may, Chris may not been aware of that aspect of. Um, oh yeah, because um, books. 
he could kickstart an ending if he wants to. Like he could, it, like it's that's a that's a relatively popular book, and by relatively popular, I'm not even talking about sales. You mention it, and most of us at least are familiar with the concept. Like mm-hmm. even if we're not reading it for months and months, so that's you know, in this niche market, the fact that you just know the writer and the title, mm-hmm. he can kickstart that in a heartbeat if he wants to just finish it. A kickstart uh, beat. What's up, Brian? A kickstart beat. I like that. That was not why I raised my hand because you hadn't said it yet. But <laughs> <laughs> on the larger point, um, I feel that with TV also, right? And it's a it's a consequence and a trade off with our kind of modern, longer form storytelling that can sometimes or even often be storytelling that lasts over multiple seasons. That they are, you know, like especially with shows that have some kind of grand idea you don't want to solve it before you know and then the show's over so in the old days when there were single episode shows it was you know you didn't really get an ending or you got one ending or whatever and and they would just kind of run with that premise and the premise would last as long as it lasts and that was how it was it's you know it kind of sucks it would be nice if we got an ending to all stories um but otherwise it would just be a bunch of shorter stories that they knew for sure that they could tell with comics, obviously, we've been dealing with this forever. Um, to answer your question directly, if we're talking about a new, new series, uh, it's different than if it's like a new Hulk series or something like that. You know, um, I'll tend to follow a character that I like, uh, you know, wherever. You know, honestly, there's no hard and fast rule. As long as you're enjoying it, keep reading it and hope that it lasts. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's it, right? Just, you yeah. go with it. Your fingers crossed that more mm-hmm. enough people are reading it. Yeah. Uh, and also, I think it's on you, right? As a reader, um, even if you don't, even if you don't do a podcast or have a YouTube channel, um, you tell your friends. Tell you know, talk it up to people and be like, "Hey, y'all mm-hmm. should be checking this out." Um, you know, word of mouth goes a really long way with comic books. There's so many new comic books hitting the shelves every week that if there is something that you are particularly passionate about. Definitely share it with the people and let them know uh, you should definitely be checking this out because I, we, we do a podcast. We do this every week. And even we can't keep up with all the new books that are coming out. So, yeah. You remember? Oh, like, I have a couple that I've just, you know, every now and then I'll think about and I'm like, ah, man, that was a good book. If only it had finished, you know, or like yeah. one that I only saw one issue of. And I was like, that was cool. Never heard about it again. You know, I can't I can't think of anything. But, yeah. but but what I was what I was gonna say was um I think there's a balance like it's great to have a larger arc and story and and that's what sequential storytelling is for like television episodes and comics but if you're only there's a there's a balance if it's only telling like that larger story then if something happens and it doesn't end or or you have to invest thirty hours into a show in order for it to make sense then that I I actually think that that's garbage. So like you, you want a service who's in your, the eyeballs in front of you as well as let them know you're going somewhere explicitly. So like I, there's a lot of books and TV shows that they're, you know, like, don't worry, it's going to get good. It's going to get good. You just got to stick with it. It's going to get good. Don't worry. I'm like, no, no, I, I've got other things that I'd rather read or watch than like hold on with you. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean that's an entirely different thing, isn't it? Like, the, well, that seems to be a book that people are enjoying. It's not. It's not a book that people are saying, "Just wait." <laughs> oh no, I know. I'm. I'm just like that was only in response to what 
Brian said, the fact that like the larger arcs versus the smaller arcs. And I don't necessarily always have patience for the larger arcs unless you're giving me something that I'm enjoying today. So like something like Outer Darkness, I don't think it relates because it's a popular book that everybody likes from issue to issue. Yeah, I think it works best with shows when they can do full seasons. Because usually, you know, you get a full season order if you get an order at all. If, if each season is satisfying, that's the sweet spot for me. You can have like, I, like a longer kind of overarching story, but you know, if each one begins and ends in a, in a satisfying way. Len? Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know. It, with comic books, it's different for me because I'm a trade guy. So I yeah. try and look at the first issue see if it looks kind of interesting and then like you said jd you're kind of like hoping that all right hoping that they get to the end or at least the end of their first arc you know which i think at the end of the day most new comic books are hoping to at least get to like the end of their first arc you know like if if, and they've hopefully meet uh, mapped out their story enough that if it's supposed to be this long running thing then they've given you enough to make you interested for more and if it's supposed to be a short thing then it is what it is you know what i mean so i just try and get uh rock on with the first with the first arc and then if it if it sucks me in i'll continue if it doesn't then um i keep i keep it moving but to tim's point tim hershey who said uh, in the comments that I also feel like Layman has context all throughout the industry, and if he has more story, he'll he will find a home. That's one of the things we we were pointing out is that it's, especially in today's climate, if a creative is really invested in their story, and this is like the story they've been waiting to tell, then if for whatever reason the market doesn't follow them where they uh, put it. Then they can take it and and put down their flag someplace else, and it, if nothing else, at least finish the story, get their story out there. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I wish. You know, I, I realize this isn't how money works, but um, I wish it was such that if your book is not doing that great, that they would can at least let you wrap up the arc, like things that just stop. Yeah midstream like that doesn't benefit them in the long run because there's so many series i think that uh history has proven even if it wasn't popular in issues there are people who will you know trades keep going they keep printing trades and people find series long after the issues are done and you know it behoove them to have a solid you know at least two trades um so that people could buy those you know out in the in, in the future it would make them money in the long term Hopefully. And I think luckily we are getting that more than we used to with uh, with TV, at least. You know, like, it seems, it, it's been like 10 years that, that networks have started saying, like, all right, we'll give you, like, a shorter final season or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's great. You know, um, I don't know that it's come as much to comics. I don't know what their business decisions are as to whether they finish an arc or not. But it's cool that that's been noticed, and it seems like a little more, like, Hey, this is what fans want. Let's do it. Of course, just because fans will buy it. Is there is there anything that you guys can think of off the top of your head that was canceled before it finished uh, comic books? I feel like that doesn't happen as much anymore. Like they will do it in between an arc, or it'll move on to something else, or they'll reboot the title. Like hmm. what has what has been canceled and abandoned? 
lately. Like the the first thing I could think of is fucking um, Kevin Smith's Bullseye series from twenty years ago. And right. then mm. just like lose steam on that. Was that canceled or was it? Just- it was like that was two never finished. Never, it. Came out. never finished. Yeah. He, he I mean, there's 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 a good handful of Kevin Smith projects that just sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, what, that one and didn't he? There was a Spider Man one too, right? That was finished. Was it finished? The, the, um, the Black Cat yeah. one. Yeah, I have Black it. Cat. Actually, it's kind of good. With Is it? Dotsons. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything recently um, that wasn't allowed to at least wrap up in some way, whether or not it was satisfactory or not, that that wasn't allowed to reach some endpoint. The only thing that I can think of, and you're talking primarily in comics, like, yeah, yeah, because the the biggest thing that comes to my mind is the world of television, and that's in Star Trek, um, the show Enterprise. Uh, was not allowed to end their fourth season. They literally brought in two people from the next generation to come in and tell a hologram story yeah. about the crew of the Enterprise on the very last episode. That was the most egregious yeah. final episode I've ever seen. I don't think they knew. I've read about it in years since, and I, I think they didn't think that that was going to be their that, – that was just a season finale. Oh, no. They yeah. knew it. They knew it. The show was it, the show had been canceled, hmm. like midway through that season. They knew that yeah, that, that was. season was going to be the last one. Yeah, that was lame. It would have been yeah, a good episode if it was just a regular episode. I know. Yeah, I can't think of any other comic though. I can not not recently. No. Anthony Drago wrote in. Uh, Anthony. <laughs> to the spoiler alert crew, thanks for continuing to do the show. Uh, I've been listening for a long time, since before Noel and Len, back when Adler and Douche were around, and this was the Valiant Comics cast. (laughs) Sometime in in 2014-ish, I purchased a humble bundle of Valiant books, but I never read them. Until now. And what a pleasant surprise. This stuff is good. All of it. Harbinger, Bloodshot, Hug and Kisses, Man of War. This is how you kick off a shared universe. The books weave in and out of each other, subtle references here and there. I just finished the Harbinger War event, which was small, contained, and not universe-ending. Now I'm into Archer and Armstrong and Quantum and Woody, which are more lighthearted and funny and still refer to the other books. Unity is about to start. Just overall, a quality set of books from Valiant. Now, I am disappointed that we will probably not get a Valiant Cinematic Universe due to the poor showing of the Bloodshot movie. Do you guys have thoughts? JD, what are your true feelings about these books now that you're not living high on that Valiant money? Thanks again for the show, Anthony D. Yes, JD, from Valiant Mansion. What say you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, it, interesting. Well, hold, hold on. Uh, you guys go ahead. I'm, I have some technical stuff to take care of. So um, I have always wanted to read the contained harp or um, the contained Valiant stuff mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, actually first, when I first got invited to this podcast, there was a couple of Valiant books uh, between Mark and, and Rob. And, and I was like, I have no reference for this shit and it's weird. And they, like, they just schooled me on everything that was amazing. So I've always wanted to go and start the, uh, the most recent relaunch. I think it was like, 
the mid 2010s, maybe like five, six, seven years ago for the Harbinger Wars, like he's talking about, mm-hmm. like Bloodshot and, and Harbinger, and then just kind of goes into I think they actually have a compendium of just oh. that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I haven't yet. And I did see the Bloodshot movie. It was fine. It was Wasn't better. Really? It, it actually was fine. Like the the action was awesome. The story was whatever. The special effects were, were solid. Like it was, if I was watching it and I was a little buzzed, I would have, it's awesome. Meanwhile, there's other shit that I've watched that I was just offended by. So like, it was fine. It was, it was mm-hmm. serviceable. I, I, I don't, I didn't read a lot of Valiant. I, um, as a matter of fact, the only thing I think I read of Valiant was Archer and Armstrong. And I remember enjoying that and thought it was kind of fun. I could, don't ask me about the story. I just remember it was like almost like this buddy cop. It's like a buddy cop comic book, and it was it was cool. It was funny. It was good art. Um, but for whatever reason, I just didn't return to it. Um, yeah, and I, it just didn't. I think because at one time, if I remember, JD, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I think at one time, Jim Shooter was part of Valiant. And Jim Shooter is always like hot or cold, runs hot and cold with me as a creator and even as a comic book executive. So I kind of like just like eh, stared away from it because of that. I am. Oh, uh, Max says Kevin Smith's Batman cacophony was also not finished. And if you're Brian, uh, four kids walk into a bank was unfinished as well. I was just thinking about it like yesterday or the day before. And I was like, "Eh, I don't think I'm going to get to that one. Batman Cacophony finished. It was only three issues. Oh. Yeah. And four kids walk into a bank finished, but it was crazy late. Like, there were six months between issues. I also didn't read it. Remember, I didn't... There was, like, a different format in the drop or something. I forget why it happened, but I didn't read the final. I didn't realize we had it. (laughs) Yeah, but there's crazy late, and then there's planetary late. Nothing nah. was as late as planetary was. Years what between Shield, Jonathan Hickman's Shield, late. Mm. Oh, that was late. Um, uh, Astonishing X Men, twenty four or twenty five issues, like twenty four and a giant. It was like four years. It's like four and wow. a half years. Um, oh, so they were oh. asking me about Valiant, and uh, yeah, Valiant was a sponsor of the the podcast for quite a while, and oh. it was wonderful, Ooh. but. The reason they were they they contacted us about it is because every episode we were like, "Are who, are you guys reading Valiant? Holy <laughs> shit! This Valiant reboot has been dope. You guys mm. got to be checking out Valiant. Let's read Valiant." Mm. And we were so excited about it and so hyped for it that Valiant was like, "You guys want some money to just keep doing what you're doing?" And we were like, "I mean, we're gonna tell you, we're gonna say if we don't like it." And they're like, "No, that's fine." Hmm. Um, so it's not like we were getting money and saying, oh, thanks for the money. You're great. It was, oh, this is great, but also you're going to give us money? Hmm. Dope. And then after a while, um, we just – I think the the universe sort of went too big and everything became little mini series as opposed to ongoing series that tied into each other. Uh, and then it became impossible to figure out which to read. There was no hmm. indication on the covers of like, oh – this story takes place, and then you read this story, and then you read this story. It was just miniseries, miniseries, miniseries. And if you lost track of it, mm. kiss it goodbye. You have no idea where you are. Mm. Um, so that was a little frustrating. And then we just sort of 
it it petered out for us. It sounds like the Mignola verse. Like you have to know oh, the, God. the chronological order of every single different miniseries with different titles and subtitles in order to follow the plot in any kind of linear fashion. Yep. Yeah. Jason Levochkin, uh, who comes to the, the Hero Complex book club every week, uh, every other week, uh, Livewire is amazing at Valiant. Oh, all right. I, how long has Livewire been going? Is that, a, is that a recent series or a mini series or an ongoing? Just hit us back and let us know what's up. Um, we'll should we? No, we won't. We're going to go to Birds of Prey, the one shot by Brian Azzarello and Emanuela Lupacino. Diamond has this to say. Black Canary's life has spiraled out of control. Her personal life is going through the ringer and her band is in crisis when an old flame resurfaces only to flicker out and set her on an all-new mission against an all-new opponent. The only thing she has to be grateful for is the fact that she's not alone as Huntress finds herself on a collision course with Black Canary's quarry at Detective Montoya's urging. Meanwhile, Harley Quinn has resurfaced outside the Gotham outside of Gotham City and out of the suicide squad with a new lease on life that is sure to make everyone else's life more complicated. And that's only the first five pages of this high octane graphic novel length one shot blah 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 blah. Did you um, just read it? You just read the whole issue for us? Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. So Noel, uh you liked this book. Tell us why. Yeah, I did like it. Um I really loved the art. Um uh, knowing that, knowing how this book kind of came to be, made me a little more forgiving about the pacing. Mm. Um, it wasn't What's originally. What's that story? Uh, it wasn't originally supposed to be a little OGN or prestige issue. It was actually supposed to be a black label series, and then, and then it was a black label mini, and then it just turned into a, we're going to pull all together everything that we have and kind of fabricate an ending. And here's a single story. Okay. So knowing all that, it was like, okay, so I know that maybe going in the pacing is going to be a little off. And my, my expectations were a little lower, especially lately. I haven't really dug much of Azarello's writing. His dialogue really upsets me for the most part and not in like a terrible way, just in a stop, stop it kind of way like this is not how humans talk even when they're fictional humans just stop it <laughs> mm-hmm. um but despite all that i really liked harley here i really liked black canary here this was more enjoyable than the movie for me um i really liked the bad guys i liked i liked the way that he set up so there's no it's like a meet cute with all of these characters and i like the way that he set up the 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 opening with the drug uh, the drug cartel killing that individual and how it relates to the others because they, it just felt organic how they all met together. The case having different like tendrils. Mm. And I, I really dug, I really, really dug the the Joker kind of being off panel the whole time. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of really great yeah. things in here. And I think it's a detriment that it's just an OGN as opposed to. Yeah. I also like that uh, Harley is having a therapy session with herself. Harley <laughs> is talking to her pocket mirror, and in that pocket mirror is um, Dr. Harleen Quinzel. And she's yeah. talking to herself throughout the beginning of the, the thing. You know, she's just gotten out of Arkham and uh, is, oh no, not, yeah, wait, Arkham? Yeah, because Bell she Reeve. was released, Bell Reeve. She was released on good behavior because of her stuff in Suicide Squad, which I don't think I've ever seen yet. Like they keep holding on to those uh, villains in the Suicide Squad, Task Force X, 
<laughs> and then I don't think I've ever seen them be like, oh, you did your time. Go ahead. Have fun. Um, so Bronze it was kind of cool. That they did that. Bronze Tiger. But then he just. Oh, yeah. But then he's just still on the team. He's like, you know what? I'm going to oh. hang in and be on the team. So. Yeah. We, we had talked about this recently with another Harley Quinn book. The way that she's written is is either awful. Like, um. A lot, of, a lot of writers have trouble with the way that she's written, and this is the first time I've seen a writer actually treat it like a disassociation, so she can be whip-smart at the same time as mm. crazy, corny, and cheesy and off the wall by mm. doing this kind of association plot device as opposed to she's completely erratic the whole time, which is not enjoyable to read. I was just going to say the one thing that I, I appreciated about the bit that um, JD was talking about with her having like the counseling session with herself was that for the first time that I've seen, because you've seen that before, you've seen that in, in the comic books before, but usually when you see it, the conceit is that they'll draw her opposite, talking to herself, dressed as Harleen Quinzel, more in like the, you know, the, the doctor look and everything like that. But with this comic book, she's talking into the mirror and all you are seeing is exactly what she would see in the mirror. Most of the time it's just her lips. Or, um, or if she's catching a reflection, it is really just her reflection in the mirror. And the, you don't get that she's having that conversation, talking to herself, except because of the dialogue. It, it, that you know, the other, she is speaking almost as if another person, you know. And I, I really like the way that that played out. All right, right there. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if they do that because in panels, maybe it's a little difficult. You might have readers who are thinking she's on a cell phone with somebody or something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So if you show her and it's a mirror, like if you show a different version of her, they might think it's someone else. Yeah, Yeah, but but comic books usually – I've seen comic books like, you know, not care about that type of stuff. Sure. And it, it, because sure. what you do is you just show it in like, you know, like a fuzzy look or something. Like, you know, you can throw like a, mm-hmm. a filter on it now. But I just really appreciated that. I also liked, um, like I've, I've mentioned before, I mentioned like last week about how I, I haven't appreciated what DC has done with the character of Black Canary in a lot of things that I've read. And while this one is not a return to the Black Canary that I love, she definitely feels more, you know, uh, more assured of herself, closer to the Black mm-hmm. Canary that I, that I knew. Yeah. You know, like, you know, a forthright hero, um, you know, about her stuff, you know, uh, comfortable in her own lane. That's the whole reason why she has a Birds of Prey, because we don't, you know, we, we, we're here in Gotham, but we don't have to follow his example you know we'll do our own thing um so i really like that my question to all of you though because maybe i missed it i didn't i didn't know when when did huntress become brown skin like i didn't know huntress was was... i i mean um i i had this question the last like birds of prey book because uh she was she was very she was very very brown on the cover but not in, in the, the book. book, she was just Hispanic, but in New Fifty Two, Helena Bertinelli, Helena, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Helena, I, not Valerie, because I always want to say Valerie like, like, like <laughs> oh. an actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, she, she is uh, biracial. So, like in New Fifty Two, she's biracial and a part of Spiral with Grayson in, uh-huh. in the Grayson book. But I don't know where anything really 
is continuity wise if the other version exactly. ever existed or if this so it's just they they kind of cast it how they want i, I think it was them trying to do just italian and you know because she is italian you know like she's her last name is italian that's how i kind of read it as just like oh she's darker skin but it is i'm looking at the page where they're in the sauna now and it's it's very dark Italian. If That's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. come on. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. They're yeah, darker yeah. skinned Italians, but uh, I mean, no. she's darker. She's darker skinned than Renee Montoya, who appears on the next page. Exactly. That's why I'm like, I was a little confused. Mind you, I don't mind, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Renee Montoya all the way over here. And that's yeah. Helena Bertinelli. It doesn't really matter. It's just inconsistent. So you like it, it doesn't it, matter. It requires you to wonder. And it's like, um, right. Is this a different? I mean, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, I liked the, her characterization either way. I loved it. Go ahead, yeah. JD. I'm sorry. I don't understand how this is a one shot. I, I, you know, I, I went in thinking, oh, it's a one shot. And then I got to the end and I went, oh, I guess it's not a one shot. And then I did some more research and I went, oh, no, it's a one shot. Uh, nothing is resolved here. Um, I like the way it ends. Like I like the scene with Harley and Joker. I thought that was awesome. And what a, what a great like cut. Um, but again, I was waiting to be like, well, what about number two? Um, <laughs> like specifically, you know, dealing with the, the bad guys, the Dia de los Muertos faced bad guys, they're having a shootout and then it cuts away from that. And then it's the Harley Joker scene. And then that's it. Um, oh, Brian. Yeah, I had to, I did the same thing. I was reading it and I was loving it. I was like on the ride and, and really enjoying it. And then it gets to the end and I was like, is there more? I had to look it up to see the whole story that, that, you know, that you said, Noel, about, well, it was going to be, and it was not. And so I give it a lot of leeway for that just because the journey of it was so much fun. But yeah, it really does not end. And the only reason you know kind of what happens at the end with the Joker is that, well, they didn't just kill the Joker. You know what I mean? And that's not in this story. <laughs> that's yeah. you just assume that because it's the Joker, you know. Yeah, and, and I'll I, I'll push back. I think that the the main conflicts were resolved. It just didn't have a resolution as a larger story. So the cartel was taken out. Um Harley survived. The gunfight was only with, at that point, was only with the uh, the Joker's goons, and they even mentioned the cops are on their way. You two leave. And the I'm cartel. I thought the car. No, the cartel was out in the car, like they were on their way away. Here you go. Right? Look, look at the screen. Oh. All right. Well, either way, the cops are on their way. There's a, um, a three way shootout what? happening. Montoya uh, goes to jail for being a corrupt cop and Maybe. a murderer. Yeah, <laughs> like there's. there's yeah. There's a there's plot threads, but as for yeah, yeah. like story that starts with the cartel murder and ends with them being murdered in the water, yeah, it it, it I want more, but it's it I didn't feel um I didn't feel empty 
I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, that sucks that there's not going to be another one. Not a, yeah. well, fuck this. Like it was, there was. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. My fuck this only came from his stupid fucking wordplay. This stuff <laughs> that Brian Azzarello tries so hard to do and it, it works sometimes. There's sometimes where it works and two com- two people are having a conversation and they sort of, they, um, uh, they yes and each other uh, mm. conversationally and, um, but most of, the, most of the time, I find it off-putting, and it just makes me have to go back and reread passages sometimes. And there's an entire thing here where Harley Quinn makes a joke, and I just don't even understand it. Like it doesn't. It's not. It's not wordplay that I can uh, figure out. She says, "Oh yeah, you mean bees knees or something like that." And I was like, "What? What is this? What's happening, Brian?" I think you had mentioned it earlier, so I was like. I was prepared when I was reading it. I was like uh, on my guard. I think that she is saying, because there's some comment about it being a joke, right? And she's like, oh, you're not joking around. You mean bees knees. I think she is saying it in a cutesy Harley is talks crazy way of saying business. You know? You mean bees knees. Business. Bees knees. That's, yeah, that's, that's where I read it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not the fact that I got it because you prepared me to try to wonder is uh-huh. not a refutation of it not making a lot of sense. Like it's a weird thing to do right there. You know, it's it's yeah. it doesn't flow as it's I was people out there, it says, see, he couldn't see our but that this first of all, here we go. See, as in Spanish for yes, see, he couldn't see things our way. So we're going to distribute ourselves. If your man is looking for a cut, maybe we have one for him. And I'm holding a knife to your throat. Get it? A cut? Uh, And she goes, ha, ha, ha. And he goes, this is no joke. And she goes, I get it. You mean bees knees. Fuck out of here. What are you doing? Yeah, there's no bee seated earlier in in the conversation. There's no, yeah, it's, it's, there's a, there's a couple things that he did. Like there's a, there's a, I was trying to look for instances, but I don't even care. There's a couple of, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to find it. Just read it yourself. Uh, but there's a couple of parts in there where he will, uh, there's repetition and lack of punctuation to be cute or to be smart. It's like mm-hmm. aping an Aaron Sorkin style. And it's just like, just stop people in this story. There's no requirement for them to, to all sound like that it's just it's it's like um it's a near miss on something that maybe was trying to be cool i don't know and and i was looking for, i it's funny you said that no i was actually looking for examples and got tired of looking um there were a couple of times in here where i felt there were gr- like grammatical errors in yeah. in mm. what was written and I had to reread it. Like, did I read that wrong? It's like, no, okay, there's an actually a, a, a an extra uh there that doesn't yeah. belong. Um <laughs> and that like threw me off. Also, and this is a small thing, and this is definitely a stylistic thing. The the lettering on here, I don't think services the story. I think like your mm. lettering should at least somehow match aesthetically your your book and this is the artwork is great it's great oh yeah this art's awesome you cannot knock the artwork yeah but i think the lettering does does not serve it very well at all it's It's all like italicized and skinny yeah 
It is. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the Arland because we've been talking a lot about the story and the art really is, I think, a lot of why I enjoyed mm-hmm. this book. It, they're so expressive and they're, uh, they just look cool. They all look cool. The one, the grammatical error is they use the wrong effecting twice. And, you know, effect and effect, there's some, you can make some cases to use, like, you know, they get a little gray at the edges, the two of them sometimes. And so I just, you know, I looked it up again and I just wanted to make sure. And you could make a real stretch of a case for using the E effect, how they do it. But I wouldn't use it that way. And they do it (laughs) two times, you know. And then, and then you know, they, they've been surrounded. <laughs> uh, they've been surrounded, and Renee Montoya goes, "Oh no, we are up." Dot dot dot. We and are then it up. Shows the bazooka, and then it, it's got Harley going shit creek. Yeah. Oh, like they're up shit's creek. We are up shit's creek. Yeah. I mean, that scene, yeah. especially though, is, is also a pacing problem. Um, yeah. yeah. This felt this felt very much like a, a PG thirteen. It's hardly R. I don't know why it's black label. Yeah. Um, uh, an or Earth beheadings, and there's a there's a um, alluded to uh, foursome. There is. Where was that? One of the main characters goes and has sex with three guys from the bar. Was that Black Canary, right? Oh yeah. So she's at the bar getting drinks and talking to the bartender, and then oh. she's talking about how she has fill needs uh, needs that to be filled, and then she guy she buys three beers, and then his last scene walking towards the three men playing pool. And then when we see her next, um, she is doing her, you know, quote unquote, walk of shame, not the slut shape, but you know, she's walking home in the, in the morning. And um, I don't feel as bad as I thought I would. Those bros, they hit the spot. Yeah. I think, and I think she definitely had sex with those guys. Yeah. And, oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's something. Yeah, we should get a new name for it. Just like a walk of awesomeness, you know, yeah, like, yeah. the previous night because that's what you wanted to do. And, <laughs> and then, and, uh, or, yeah. What I was, what I was gonna say is, it felt like an Earth One book. Do you guys remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 It didn't feel like because this is very much out of continuity, but you need to understand continuity. Yeah. Or at least the relationships between these people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this art is I enjoyed awesome. it. Yeah, yeah me more too. That bad. I wanted more. Like, that's one of my only complaints about the book is that, unfortunately, it's not its original intended length, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. same. I would have. I probably would have read Maybe make, you know, because it's not like these Black Label books are 12-issue series. They've all been three to four issues. Right, right. I, I would have been fine with, like, either two or three issues of this. Yeah. Uh, Tim says, oh, and here I assumed the movie influenced Huntress's coloring. I haven't seen the movie yet. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is not dark. So, yeah, talking about uh, her skin color in this is a little darker than usual. Hmm. Um, The boys are back with Hmm. Dear Becky Number One, written by Garth Ennis, art by Russ Brown. Braun? Braun. Twelve years years after the events of the boys, Huey finds himself back home in Scotland where he intends to finally marry Annie in the company of friends and family. But the sudden appearance of a peculiar document sends our hero into a tailspin and threatens to bring the events of his nightmarish past crashing down on him in the worst possible way. 
There was one story about the boys that Huey never knew. Now, whether he likes it or not, he's going to. I never finished the boys. Uh, when it comes to Garth Ennis, he is hit or miss with me. I think his hits are uh, maybe some Punisher and um, Hitman I really enjoyed. Preacher is my all-time favorite series. And uh, the boys was not that for me. I think that it was an exercise in how can I outgross myself every issue? Um, what's the most crazy and diabolical thing I can have superheroes doing every issue? And I went, I get it. It's fine. You you have fun with that. I dropped off pretty quickly. Um, and uh, now it's back. And it, this, this issue was pretty interesting. What did you guys think? Len? Um, I found myself like I, I was something about the art. Um, the the character of Huey has always historically been um, fashioned after the actor Simon Pegg, and I thought in this book I this, the Simon Peggness of him was definitely coming out a lot more so than I think um, even when the original artist of the book Derek Robertson was drawing it. So I found myself locked in there. I didn't finish the boys either. I was kind of felt the same way as you, JD. It was like, all right, I get what you're doing. And I saw this done a lot better back in the 80s with martial law, so it didn't really like, like really hit me. But I was happy to return to it, and the beginning, him having this issue, this conversation with Bobby with an I, his trans friend, <laughs> um, actually was kind of funny, and it was actually a, a cool a cool conversation it, it went on a little long um yeah. almost to the point where it's like okay is this going to be the whole book just them talking to each other with, yeah. with each other which in a way of maybe catching up on the story okay maybe i'm with it you know once you kind of get the the dialects that he's writing these people oh yeah in, that was which, struggle. Which is, it's yeah. a struggle um but at the end of the day when it finally kicks into gear a little bit of the story, I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't care. I didn't. Um, when they a little kid is introduced and they're going at his tongue, I said, "Okay, I know what you're doing here. I know who this kid is supposed to be. I can see the the writing on the wall with the comedy beats about to come." And sure enough, it comes. Um, and it doesn't land. And I just did not care if it was not for the art, which is good art. I am not going to knock the art. The art is very good, expressive. It's 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 very um, striking. So yeah, it, it's with it. And if it wasn't for the the uh, what is it Amazon series, which is what's really bringing them back into the populace right now, um, which I did enjoy that series. Oh, that Amazon. <laughs> Yeah. Um, That's not yeah. like Princess Diana. No, 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 no. The Amazon, the Amazon television series. Only in this room would that distinction right. be confused. I know, right? Exactly. Everybody else is like, oh, oh Brian, <laughs> right. you're well, such a leap. Like, there is like a super strong Wonder Woman type on that this team. True. And I was like, oh, are they doing a spinoff? Maeve. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but at the end of the day, I just land. I, I didn't care about this book. So this is the second no. This is the second book, uh, honestly, by Garth Ennis and Russ Braun, uh, that it appears as though Garth Ennis is trying to play devil's advocate within his own head about current events. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's interesting. So, like, the, he will present an argument from a caustic 
perspective and then dismantle that argument. So you're, you're having trouble understanding where the writer is even coming from. And at first that was frustrating, but I actually kind of appreciate it in a weird way. Like he, he presents the, the straw man first and then hits it, hits it up. So like um, I just finished reading um, Jimmy's bastards recently yeah. and there's a very, uh, there's a through line throughout that whole series about the patriarchy Um and the main character is an absolute piece of shit. And yep. he's a he's a hound and he has children everywhere and he's garbage. However, he will constantly keep repeating that he is an agent of social progress. And it's like, well, how do you say you you nothing you do is that? He's like, Well, I I fight for a democracy within a parliament. Just that in and of itself, a parliament that is moved by a democracy makes me an agent of progress. Like we're all a part of this very slow moving thing. So you could be frustrated about a detail now, but we're all moving towards progress, which was really interesting perspective. And it was just kind of repeated here. Um, Huey is more frustrated with the fact that he doesn't know what to do as opposed to what's changing, which I thought was really great. Uh, But then, yeah, when it turns into more like hidden boys plot, which I did finish that series years later and it was it could have it was 60 something issues it could have been 30 um it's it was fine like i I don't know like (laughs) or even one (laughs) (laughs) so i think that might have been all that i read of the boys uh you know back when it first came out garth ennis for me is a writer that i feel like is good and i feel like i like things that he has written but i can't think of anything you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that I could name that, I, that I've that i enjoyed. He doesn't write in the style that I enjoy reading. You know, it's all very, it's all very grimy and, and, you know, gotcha offensive kind of like, like you were saying, JD, like, can you see how offensive? I, you would never expect that I would truly say this thing in a comic, but here it is, you know? Um like the like the bartender in this, it's like eh, eh, whatever, man. I mean, it's a well written example of what you're doing. I just don't want to. Re- I'm just not interested in reading it. You know. I think you know my problem with this is you. You know, he is writing from these different perspectives, and the fact that we Huey uh, is friends with Bobby um, mm. is cool, right? So the main character is friends with a trans character, and you know, um, the the bartender is a piece of shit. Um, you know, I pray every night you'll get cancer of the cock. Do you ken that? Um, so he's, you know, he's the bad guy, but then you've also done things like make the trans character insanely cartoony. Um, the fact that they're like a huge bodybuilder, but then with a wig on and really over the top makeup, it, it, it almost feels like it's making a joke of it. So it's, I've got this dichotomy of like, well, you're trying to, you've made them best friends, but then you're also portraying them in this way. And I'm, I'm not quite sure how I'm supposed to land on it. Um, and again, like Len said, I don't care about the boys. So I'm not really care. I don't really care about the fact that he found um, what's his name? Butcher, Billy Butcher's uh, diary. Diary. Was he, the main, was he the, is he Carl Urban in the, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're right. Len, there's so much of this is like this conversation and then reading this diary that I'm like, I feel the same way as you, J.D. I'm like, well, so it's, uh, I don't know, somebody's diary. 
Why is he on the floor like this? Exactly. <laughs> I still don't get yeah. why he's on the floor. Yeah. I just don't care. But but to JD's um, point about the cartooniness of the trans character, I do feel you on that. However, I do feel in some defense that almost everybody in this comic book is drawn to degree kind of very cartoony. True. Um, and because at the end of the day, the character of Bobby is very comfortable in her skin and um, Huey's relationship with her is 100% depicted on the on the uh, on the level of just friendship, irregardless of who is on the other side. It's just that this is my friend. Um, for some reason, I didn't. It, it didn't bother me that it was this overly muscular person in, in a wig. You know what I mean? Um, because that happens there are trans who are who yeah. approximate that look so yeah. it so it actually didn't bother me it, it was fine yeah um, I, you, know, you know it reminds me of in the punisher that he wrote um the punisher max series when it was you know there were two series that garth ennis had written um one was punisher welcome back frank and then there was a sequel to that and then on after that he went back and went ham on like being serious. Uh, the Welcome mm. Back Frank was worried tongue-in-cheek and crazy and Spacker Dave and, you know, there was a Russian guy with a striped shirt. And then in the sequel of that, the Russian guy in the striped shirt comes back and it's like, he's got boobs! Isn't mm. that isn't that funny, you guys? He's The big Russian guy's got boobs now! And it's like, uh, it just, it, it sort of like reminds me of that a little bit. So, I'm sorry, Noel, go ahead. Bobby, Bobby thing. Oh, I'm sorry, Noel, I forgot you were Oh no, no, no! I was, I was gonna just kind of agree with with uh, Len a little bit. The the representation of it, or the the way it's depicted, is not. It doesn't jibe with the conversation that they're having, so it's a weird kind of juxtaposition. It looks cartoony, but the conversation they're having, even under that dialect and even with the crudeness, is actually really complex. Mm -hmm. So it's that's that's again that's why I'm 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 almost fascinated by when he puts it, uh, when Garth Ennis paints himself in the in this in this kind of social justice or SJW woke blah um, corner and how he treats his characters or how he he has his characters kind of work through it because I feel like he's also working through it like he wants to be. Um, he wants to be an agent of social progress, but he also gets very frustrated with certain people and, and actions and it comes through in the writing. And it's just, I, I, it, oh, um, the cartoony stuff aside, I actually, it, it's, it's almost like a, a very intelligent read. And I, I kind of dug that. And then when it expanded to the actual plot of the book, I was like, all right. <laughs> well, what'd you guys think about the Bobby? I don't know if it's a, I guess it's a joke. She, I assume she is, is having a joke with, um, the main character, I forget his name. Huey. Huey, right. Uh, the whole, like, well, you called me Bobby, but my name is Bobby. Oh, she's <laughs> yeah. definitely fucking yeah. with him. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah. Did you nickname yeah. me by calling me Bobby with a Y? And he's like, no, I called you Bobby with an I. And she's like, ah. Which way is, which way is it spelled? Because we can, he can't see his, his spelling, but we can. Uh <laughs> And I, but I do like how he also like later on in the conversation he turns it back on her. He's like Roberta. He's like oh, Roberta. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, if Robert was Bob, you're yeah, dead. Yeah. Name, I assume it's Roberta and Bobby. Yeah, that was clever. It was. It's. I I never I never got the impression that these two weren't friends their entire lives. 
Exactly. So, so all the other shit didn't matter. Yeah. Just sort of jabbing at each other. Yeah, like, yeah. like in a weird way, we were privy to Huey's safe space. Mm-hmm. All right. And I thought that was really cool. Even the bartender I read as somebody who actually really likes both of them and is just an ass. In, you know, like one of those. Oh, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. I think he's, I think he's an absolute piece of shit townie yeah. who doesn't understand yeah. somebody in the time to transition. Yeah. You, know the kind yeah, of, you know the kind of character that I'm talking about, though? The guy oh, yeah. who's like, ah, oh, yeah. go fuck yourselves. But they'd, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, but they'd stand with you and, you know. But I don't know this. I don't know if we've ever met this guy or not before in the comic. You no, know I don't think so. Okay. No, this no. is so. I didn't think that. Th- um, I did not read the um, description before reading this. I didn't know that it was going to be a sequel. I thought that this was just going to be like a in between the pages story because the way that the boys ended was pretty definitive. Um, you're looking at the survivors. Oh. Okay. Uh, so I, I didn't know that it was going to be a 12 years later sequel. Um, so I was actually pretty surprised and shocked like how are, are people going to be alive or are things going to happen yeah. so i am kind of interested as to seeing how this comes into play because reading the description for the next issue was learning about uh, a mission he wasn't on and it affecting his current life which i think might be kind of interesting is she one of them was she a, an original part of the no okay yeah. it's a friend from school or uh that he grew up with that transitioned in between he uh for the purposes of the book he's been missing for 10 years and doesn't talk about it oh okay uh jason actually wrote back in jason levachkin to answer our question live wire from valiant was a mini last issue 12 was published back in november of 2019 so thanks so he says we should check it out Uh, moving on, Far Sector number six from DC Comics. Writer uh, is N.K. Jemison with art by Jamal Campbell. Tensions in the city enduring are high as the emotion exploit, the mandatory genetic tech that strips citizens of their emotions in the name of peace, is up for referendum. But Joe's attentions are divided when Counselor Marth makes a surprising and distinctly emotional overture. This book is great. Yeah. What did you think, Brian? Um, this book is great. Uh, and that was a cool cover. No, I have a different one. Uh, it is impossible to read right now without thinking of what is happening in the world right now. Uh, at least it was for me. I mean, there is, there is absolutely no way that it could have been coordinated. You know, this book was supposed to come out months ago. And obviously I, of course I'm talking about the protests about, uh, George Floyd's death and, uh, larger issues relating to uh, mistreatment of people of color, um, specifically by law enforcement. And when we last read this issue, um, y- you know, this uh, the people had opened fire on these protesters and it was a very different uh, yeah. of the world. And I thought it was great. I thought it handled it in a great way. JD, I know you love this panel because you sent it to us where the counselor is like, I'm stepping down. And they're like, oh, did you force it? No. I did. I made a mistake. Do people on your planet wait until people call them on something before they mm-hmm. admit their mistakes? How weak. Yeah. How weak. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was amazing. Well, I, you, you shared that panel and I shared right back. Uh, the next panel is actually the one that's the most powerful for me. Um, the, hang on. In, the, in the days when aliens ruled us, protesters were summarily executed. But it occurred to me belatedly 
that emulating our colonizers might be inappropriate. Exactly. Emulating our colonizers might be inappropriate, yeah. which speaks to the the dumbest fuck argument of well, it's how it's always been. Yeah. And it's like never a good reason for anything. Yeah. This was such a powerful, great piece of fiction that almost was like a little rough to read, you know, because it is so prescient with, with what's going on now. Um, yeah. It, 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 I actually found myself like I had to like put it down for a little bit. Sure. Like, oh, all right, man, I ain't, I ain't ready for this right now, dog. Mm-hmm. I ain't ready. I, ain't re- I, I got to go read uh, Nail Biter. And then I picked this really quickly back up. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, man, this was this was a good book, and I and and I loved it. It it definitely has this political bent. It definitely mean. It definitely is meaning something. But there's also a deeper commentary on. Um, on humanity and and emotions in this book, um, that is that especially considering, you know, the artwork and the style and the trappings that this is a Green Lantern comic book is still very palatable for people. Um, I'm I'm just and the artwork is just like sucks you in. It's so yeah. fucking gorgeous, yeah. man. Paul Campbell, and, yeah. and you and you could feel. That M.K. Jemison, if you remember early the early issues, were a little over overwritten, and you can feel that as it's gone along, she's gotten her timing along with yeah. the, with the artwork timing, yeah. letting Jamal do you know um, carry some of the storytelling for her, um, and they are firing on all cylinders with this yeah. book. Yeah, a lot of the issues that I had with the early issues. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're gone. They're absolutely gone. I did have trouble with that, like those info dumps of mm-hmm. here's the full history and conversation of this race, and here's the other full history of this com. Like it was, it was um more world building than storytelling, and I just I couldn't handle it. I actually I, I still contest that I would have preferred an appendices than all of that shit in the panels. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like I would have rather just done extra reading. Then yeah. tried to make it organically fit in the in in the panels, right? Like but, uh, John Hickman. Hmm. Yeah, no, I would have yep. loved that. Interstitial. Loved that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love a good uh, a good sci-fi character appendix. You know, like sometimes in the back of the first issue or something, where it's like, here's the major races, here's uh, here's their tech or whatever. You know, like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I find it fascinating if it's a good story. Which it felt so clunky within the art to just have like an aside with Joe being like, "This is the tell puppy." Like, all right, just stop. Didn't it. bother me. Didn't bother me. I know they needed to catch me up on a lot of stuff that's going on in this very specific world uh, yeah. that does things very specifically differently. Mm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was a lot to take in, um, and maybe it could have been done better. But now that that's all done, oh yeah, yeah. awesome. That's what it's I mean. So like, it's it's yeah. it's no longer an issue that I even have, and mm. honestly, it's so good now that it makes me appreciate that. Then, which again, I feel like this would have been awesome as a double-sized or or an OGN or two large yeah. prestige or yeah. something. But I'm not sure the yeah. chapter issues is the way to go with a story this rich, but... Yeah. And she's a novelist, right? Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah. There have been a couple that... And I think that that is... Um, seems to be a common thing when transitioning from starting a career as a novelist and then going into comics. 
and the sequential nature or not sequential, but, um, you know, kind of packeted nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyone, anyone that felt overburdened, if that's even the right word by the first two or three issues of this needs to just fucking get over it and go back and yeah, yeah, you drop this book, come back. Yeah. yeah. I, cause I'm, all day, I'll admit that I was wrong. I this was well, this is fucking fantastic, and it's twelve issues. Fair, right? Oh, sorry. that was it. It's twelve issues, right? It's a mini. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be fair, I haven't heard anyone besides Noel, like, in in real life, saying that they don't like the book. You know, I mean, everyone um, I've talked to is like, "This is awesome." Yeah. Um, J- Jason Lavatkin says Joe is one of my favorite GLs. The art by Jamal Campbell is insane. I'm. I personally am hoping for more from this character moving forward because mm-hmm. I agree she's a great Green Lantern. I'm really interested in her. I am interested in every Green Lantern except Hal. Can we move him off the plane? God, everyone else is so fucking. I would be more. I'm more interested in Guy Gardner. Ooh. I'm more interested oh. in Ooh. Nort. Oh. I love Guy. He sucks. He's, I love him though. <laughs> I mean, I like Hal, and I like having him around, but I am totally with you about, like, let's explore all the other ones, too, because there there are so many awesome Green Lanterns out there. I only like Hal because of the quality of the stories that he was in. If it was Kyle at the same time, through the whole Blackest Night, Sinestro Core thing, I would have I probably liked be on Kyle better. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I also know... Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. no. Um, I remember thinking, and I think we all were on the same page, that, like, we want to know more about what her deal is, right? Like, specifically her Green Lantern deal. Like, why is the ring different? What's the story? Oh, and the last one, I totally forgot. It's been so long. The last one, we got a little little info about how she got there and the Guardian came and she was Mm -hmm. like, I don't understand why you people act this way. Here's here's the ring, you know. Um, I found myself not really thinking about that in this issue. I still want to know, but I was more taken by the by the story now, you know, and what's happening. I I don't. So the differences with her ring are, are honestly the biggest difference is just the fact that it it recharges itself over time. So it's just like a, a strength measurement. Yeah. When it looks different, which it, you know, it's like there's something. It looks more mystical or something. There's something up about it, you know. It's certainly more ornate. Yeah. Then yeah, yeah. Green Lantern rings are usually very utilitarian. It's got the logo. It's either a circle with the logo inside, or the ring itself is the logo. And yeah. this has a lot of like ornamentation around it as well. I don't necessarily understand the. So for this mission specifically, the only thing that I think is missing is that they haven't talked about why it needs to be a different type of ring. There's mm-hmm. nothing in this at all that kind of, uh, at least yet, speaks to the fact that it needed to be a different type of ring as opposed to just a power battery. Yeah. So I I hope it's part of the story, other than just being different. I, I, if it even if not though, it's still it's not a deal breaker. I just yeah, don't. It would, strange, it would be strange to introduce that and then be like, yeah, hey, what? never mind. And it, it's not even it, like it wouldn't be a good enough explanation that this city enduring is too far away, because that hasn't like I mean they the hide, of the and also too they they hide their they hide the the lanterns in pocket little pocket dimensions right like. It's fine. Brian, you know what time it is? JD, I'm just going to take a guess that it's time for a thunder round. Oh my god, you're so right. 
So I think we only have one of those up on the docket for today, and that is going to be Noel, who read the Catwoman 80th anniversary issue. Do you want to tell us a little something about it before you start, or do you just want to do a Thunder Round? It's an 80th anniversary, 100-page prestige issue with, uh, you know what, hang on. Before we do a Thunder Round, let me count the amount of stories there are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are ten different short stories by um, people like Paul Dini, Chuck Dixon, Ann Nascenti, Tom King, Will Pfeiffer, Ram V, Jeff Parker, Liam Sharp, and Ed Brubaker. Okay. You got 60 seconds. Go. Uh, this was a wonderful read. Uh, of the ten stories, there were two that were a little lacking. And by lacking, I mean like either the art was really freaking weird or um, the story was really stupid. Other than that, um, this was great. Uh, some of it was it went by the decades. Uh, it's literally ten stories uh, of like eight different decades. One in the middle that I think is probably going to get the most attention is Tom King's story with Michael Jannon. I think it's a bit of a precursor for the uh, Bat Cat story that he's telling. She's pregnant. They have a child. Her name is Helena. Speaking uh, of yeah, it's a thing. And, like they they fast forward to the future. And him dead and stuff like it, it's 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 really wonderful and I can't wait to actually read that story fuller. Um, there's a couple of other really cool things here and there, but the the thing that hurt the most was the Kelly Jones art. I'm not sure what Kelly Jones is popular from before, but I know he's uh, he's an old head. Uh, it's awful. Uh, the Will Pfeiffer story is actually really great. It's kind of a fourth wall breaking. End of round. That's it. Shut up. It's a good book, so Kelly. Just That's to answer your question, just to answer your uh, Kelly Jones is famous for a long run on Batman, which I think was also written by Doug Monk. And he was, um, did a, probably like the, the biggest, like reimagining of dead man, like as, as an actual, you know, uh, more skeletal look. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's, he's, also, he's, no, he did the hood miniseries by oh, yeah. uh, Brian K. Vaughn. This is like uh, early '90s when he was on Batman. Then, is yes, that okay, yes. Yeah. yes, he did. He did the Batman Elseworlds, where Batman, um, it's, I think it's called Red Rain or something like that. He meets, yeah, fights yeah, Dracula, yeah. and then Batman becomes a a, a vampire. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's like two. He's or three very of good at monsters. Yes. Yeah. It's a Clayface story, so yeah. Oh, there you go. But um, it's mm, it's awful. But We'll do another quickie. Harley Quinn, Make Him Laugh, number one, written by Mark Russell with art by Laura Braga. It's hard out there for a freelancer. Looking to make some quick cash, Harley takes on odd jobs in her many wheelhouses, therapizing bad guys and tracking down stolen art from the Gotham Art Museum. Uh, the only reason I brought this up is because I know Noel loves Mark Russell. Mm. Yeah. Um, I first, right? Uh, yeah, digital, uh, digital first, Mark Russell. He's been doing a lot of the digital first. His um, Swamp Thing is awesome, but uh, this was just a this was just an extended kind of conversation about the the problematic nature of museums, <laughs> um, yeah. juxtaposed against a uh, fucking weird Harley Quinn. So, I mean, I enjoyed reading it, but is it good? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, no, it's not. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. You know what? I liked the. Um, the the solve you know on the mystery of how it was happening and what you know and and the fact that clayface was posing as a statue yeah. and had like but changed his hand um which i wouldn't have thought clayface would need to do that i thought he could i thought he could ride it out but um i thought that was cool 
I also like this costume on Harley Quinn, which uh, I like. But yeah, I thought it was just like kind of a. It wasn't a very. Uh, it wasn't a very deep story, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading it, um, and. I think I think one of them. I think Harley is like, yeah, but this lets people see art. That's cool. If they're in a museum, that's nice. That's good about museums, which I agree with as well. Um, I don't remember the whole ins and outs of their argument, but yeah, I, yeah, it's it's the it's like art is not meant to be art is objective or art is subje- subjective 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 subjective, um, but objectively. Um, deifying or putting it someplace uh, out of the reach of the intent is potentially problematic. But then if it wasn't for museums, where would they be? It would be with some rich snob who doesn't share it with the world at all and back and forth. Mark Russell loves doing this shit where he will take a larger conversation or or a, a hypothetical and then put it against a cartoon character. Uh, he did it with Wonder Twins to amazing effect that I wish all of you guys would read eventually. Um, so these stories are kind of like hitting on those or scratching that itch for him. Some of them are more successful than others. This is kind of like a, out of a 10, this is like a six. All right. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I don't think there was, my one reservation, uh, they don't talk about museums in the sense of like, oh, they have taken these from people. Because that is a critique of museums, but I just don't think it comes up. This is about art. This is not about, you know, this is like mm-hmm. Van Gogh's painting hanging in a museum. Should it be there or not kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. I think it should. And they should just be free. You should just be able to go in and look at them. That's true. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, oh sorry. Unless anybody, it doesn't sound like anybody else has anything on this, on this comic. He didn't, did not seem to care too much. <laughs> I just, I just thought that I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, know about the conversation about the commentary yeah. on museum and art and it was kind of interesting but at the end of the day I just did not give a fuck because oh, yeah. I thought that the art was like horrible and that just mm-hmm. pulled me out of it and the art does not service the story well it jumps around very very haphazardly um, so that you have to kind of like remind yourself oh we're here now in the story like oh we've changed places here um and I don't know what kind of clay face this, this brother is drawing. Um, it's like and, razor mouth. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just didn't dig, dig the art at all. I just I just I was like, ah. I think there's some really great elements of the art here. I think there's a lot of strengths. I like this version of Clayface. Uh, a lot of the faces are pretty interesting, yeah. but there is this strange positioning of of characters. Like this one feels very strange to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just yeah. A lot of the posing seems uh, stunted and uh, very static. But um, there's like a little bit of Joel Jones in some of the faces. But yeah, it's I'm not super into it. And I I didn't I never I never got around to reading it. Um, I really I love the cover. By, uh, great. Andrew Robinson. Mm-hmm. Great. But anyway, let's move on to Nailbiter Returns, number one, by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson, 16 um, of um, the um, Brian has something he wants to say real quick. JD, if I might, I was just wondering, do you have a Patreon account? Is that the kind of thing that you do? Uh, it is. You, is it? Is, uh, it is. Oh, my goodness. It is. If you go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo, you can help out the show. 
Uh, you can also go to jdsherocomplex.shop and Ooh. buy a trade paperback or a gift card from Ooh. a store. Thanks so much for asking, Brian. Oh, you're welcome. Well, it was really self-serving. I wanted to know that information, and I didn't already. Okay. Yeah. It's weird that you wouldn't know it already, being friends with me. So I'm glad well, you asked. remove it from my mind like Hank Pym did with the Ultron thing in the Age of Ultron story. Uh, yeah. Every week. Every week I remove I it. I to say, he does this every week. Every yeah. Yeah. week. <laughs> now, Biter Returns number one by Joshua Williamson and Mike Henderson. 16 of the world's worst serial killers were all born in the same small town, but Agent Finch and Sheriff Crane solved and buried that mystery, didn't they? Violent copycat murders imitating the infamous butchers have begun in Portland, Oregon, and if Finch wants the killings to stop, he'll have to team up with the daughter of the nail-biter himself. Now, um, Len had asked for his own Thunder Round. Before we started talking about this book, you got 60 seconds. Go. So my job here on Spoiler Alert is to read review comic books. So one of the books that we are reviewing was Nail Biter Returns, which it looks like a horror comic book. I'm not really into horror comic books, but I said I'm going to sit down and read this comic book. So I looked at it, and the cover of it is a young man with his eyes gouged out, drowning in a sea of eyeballs, which, as a horror comic book, is a very horrific image, which, as a horror comic book, actually does its good job because it is very scary or at least i can say it scared me enough that i said this is a great horror comic book because the cover scared the shit out of me and i'm not opening it so (laughs) (laughs) so this book is great job well done nail biter winner as far as i'm concerned end of round end of round (laughs) So wait, so when you didn't read it? This book, I looked at that cover. Now, mind you, maybe it's because I was reading the, the books late at night. So yeah. it was like three, three o'clock in the morning and I was sitting in an all dark house. But I looked at that cover and it just kept staring back at me as I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do this to myself. Okay. <laughs> this so when this you- is all... <laughs> So when you picked up the Green Lantern and you were like, or Park Lecture, and you're like, I'm going to go to Nailbiter, and one second later, you were back. It, <laughs> it was, was literally. It was like... <laughs> um, I, you know what? If that was your experience, it, it was better than mine. I don't know <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I personally didn't like this. Uh, um, it was contingent on. I guess there was a previous series of however many issues and these 16 serial killers that were all thwarted and they all came from the same place. I'm assuming it's something supernatural. Um, I I didn't like the, uh, the art was just fine. The setup was opportunistic almost. It was just like, oh, the daughter of the killer is in the bar. Who's this? Who's that? And the mom was missing. Like it just felt very um, orchestrated, which is fine. It's It's a plot. But because the other stuff really didn't kind of fill in those entertaining gaps. I noticed the seams. Um, I don't like the design of all of these killers. Like they're all edgy. Like the clown car killer, the nail biter, the like, it's like a weird band. I I don't know. It just, it wasn't scary. It was just silly. 
I had no me. idea that this was based on a previous thing. It, yeah. yeah. The, uh, well, that's the what I liked about it I, felt, I felt coming in on this, I did know it was a thing. I read the first trade paperback and it was pretty interesting. Uh, but then I fell off. And um, I still felt like you could come into this book as if it was a brand new series and they're just catching you up on, you know, the, the previous happenings of the universe as opposed to having to have read the issue before. I thought that it handled that very well. Um, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, it's, you know, it didn't blow my socks off. I'm a big horror fan. And um, I thought that this was cute um, as far as horror is concerned. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would continue reading it. It makes me want to go back and finish the previous series. So, yeah, I didn't hate it. How long did that run? I'm not sure. You know, probably at least, at least four trade paperbacks, I think. Okay. I that makes it in my mind a little bit better that I found myself reading it and I was like, all of this is thrown into this reality, like right now. You know, like there was a town and there were for some reason sixteen serial killers that came out of this town. I still didn't like it. It's not my thing. You know what sure. I mean? It's like I'm not into reading about a bunch of serial killers and these kinds of things happening. Um, knowing that it was based on something before, I its storytelling credit for me goes up a little bit. But um, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, there are six volumes of Nailbiter. And interestingly enough, volume seven is Nailbiter Returns. This isn't like volume one, Nailbiter Returns. This is actually a continuation of the previous um, numbering. Hmm. Uh, all right, what's up next? The Death of Nancy Drew, number one, by Anthony Del Cole and Joe Aizma. Teen detectives Frank and Joe Hardy have investigated many crimes in their lives, but nothing that hits this close to home. Their best friend died mysteriously after taking down crime organization. They must put together the clues to uncover the truth about this shocking crime. But the clues lead them to a stunningly unexpected direction. Uh, that's bullshit. Uh, it was not stunningly expected. I spent the entire issue going, all right, well, I guess, are we, is Nancy, when's Nancy Drew going to show up and, and say that she faked her own death so that she could solve this crime? There's no way I thought that Nancy Drew was dead in this book. Uh, what did you guys think? The only surprise was that Ed was there, too. Her bro uh, The brother was yeah. standing in the back of the room. That was the only surprise other than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hated the art. Oh, I the hated art, the art. Yeah, I did not like the art. The art does not do. I mean, the story is 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 basic. It's it it's by the numbers. You know where it's going, but the art does not do it any favors at yeah. all. You know. Um, Look you at know, that coloring. Ugh. Yeah, it's just it's just not good. It's just it's not. It doesn't even, it doesn't feel finished. Um, doesn't feel there's no thoughtfulness done to to it as far as I'm, I'm concerned um the characters are not well defined at all um which i really don't care because i don't care about the hardy boys i don't care about nancy drew i mean but to me this is all just somebody whoever this is looking at the success of that Archie Comics has had with re redefining their brand and being um turning their comic books on 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 their head and getting them more into the zeitgeist and then mm -hmm. what Riverdale has done with those characters and they're trying to do the same thing with Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys and unfortunately unlike Archie 
Nancy, Drew, and the Hardy Boys did go away for a time. Archie has always been here. Every generation has always had an Archie. Yep. Nobody's really gave a fuck about Nancy, Drew, or the Hardy Boys in a long time. And you're not going to give a hell of, about them from this comic book. I think that might be incorrect. And I'm not sure, but I think Nancy Drew at least has maintained like some popularity ongoing. Also, side fact, did you guys know that the novels were written by a bunch of different people all under the same name? Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Which no. I think they wanted to maintain the illusion that there was mm-hmm. like this one writer. One writer that was doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like sounds like a bunch of writers that got stiffed. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, especially because you know what could they capitalize? You know, on yeah, that. Like, oh, I was one of the writers. I swear. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Sure. Take a hike. They would have said at that time. <laughs> and yeah. uh, um, but yeah, I I agree. Like I've never been. So I've always thought Nancy Drew was like you know kind of cool. Hardy Boys. I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, never even the slightest bit of interest. And it struck me again as one of those like yet another dark reimaginings of, Mm. you know, like the dad, I don't know if this is building off some continuity that already existed. The dad is barred from practicing law because he was working with the main criminals of, of the town. Uh, And the main criminals are called the syndicate. syndicate. Of course. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) See, in this world, Len, they don't have any pulp novels or anything. <laughs> so it's very original. <laughs> it is a great name. I mean, is it any more original than Marvel's The Magia? <laughs> okay, point. <laughs> is that actually the name of something, though, The Magia? I really don't know. No, they didn't want to use the word mafia, so they changed mafia. it to Magia. <laughs> I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. It's the same way that they wouldn't for years when they couldn't say zombies, so they called them Zuvembies. Z-U-V-E-M-B-I-E. Yes. Look it up. Oh, I don't remember that. Late 60s and 70s in Marvel. Yes. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah, this this wasn't... No, neither. And the reveal, it was like... The the question was, where is it going to be? Is it going to be on the last page... Do I have to go the whole issue to see if it's happening or not? <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's kind of shitty though that she would include one of the Hardy Boys and then be like, "Don't, don't tell your brother." Yeah. Well, it's, it's the little brother, right? So the little brother is the one that's in love with her. Yeah. The yeah. older brother in college is in college along with her. So I, yeah, it's just it's stupid. It's pretty Thanks. shitty of the brother too. They are yeah. the Hardy Boys. They are a team. Each one as important as the other, I assume. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if this world can break apart the Hardy Boys, then what the fuck do we have left? Exactly. Exactly, no. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as Brian mentioned earlier, you can go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo and help out the show. You can email us at coltspopgo. At, wait, no. Coltspopgo at gmail.com. There we go. I did it. Um, and uh, let us know what you think about anything. I don't care what it is. Just I'm lonely. Talk to me. And uh, Noah, where can the people find you? 
uh, here every week with you, you fools, uh, on Twitter at Mr. Bartocci, M-R-B-A-R-T-O-C-C-I, or in the Cult Pop social media feeds. I will respond if you incite my name three times. Len. <laughs> no. 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 There he is. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, anyway. Oh, shit. That was fun. Um, yo, holler at me any place on social media, the Bat Tribble, uh, holler at the Black Tribbles podcast where we get we get it in, have a whole lot of fun. This is our final year of broadcasting, so tune in for a, a whole lot of the insanity. And tune in at 2 p.m. today for Gutter Talk, where we'll be doing another Distraction Central, talking about DC leaving Diamond Distributors and talking about whatever else floats our boat. I don't know. We're going to Star Girl? Sitting in. Talking about Star Girl? I watched it. Just I, for um, yes, I'm... talk a little bit about that, sure. Yeah. And Brian. Hey, I'm right here, as you can see. And uh, I'm also at brianleebdesign.com. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Hopefully, we'll see you at 2 p.m. today for Gotta Talk. Gotta Talk. Gotta Talk. And we will talk at you later. Gotta Talk. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>